Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Live from Los Angeles, the Win Without Competing Show with Dr. Arlene Barrow, career coach one and author of Win Without Competing. Now, here's Dr. Arlene. Thank you, Virgil. Welcome to my show. In tough economic times, it is especially important to implement my right fit method, which will enable you to win without competing in your career and in your life. The creative process has always fascinated me. That's why I wrote my doctoral dissertation on creativity in which I focused on screenwriters. Recently, I attended a performance of Time Stands Still at the Geffen Playhouse adjoining UCLA. The playwright, Donald Margulies, a Pulitzer Prize winner, explores how people feel about their careers. The main character, Sarah, is a woman photojournalist who specializes in taking war photos. After sustaining serious injuries while doing her job, Sarah comes to the sudden realization that I built my career on the suffering of strangers. I kept hearing that line over and over again in my head as I continued to watch the play. Afterwards, upon further reflection, I realized that many careers are built on the suffering of strangers. More about this later. When I arrived home, I eagerly read the interview of Margulies in which he explains his creative process. He says, I am not a writer who has several ideas sitting in drawers. I am a serious serial monogamist when it comes to everything in my life, including my writing. When I get an idea, I am primarily and passionately fixed on that idea, and that becomes the play. Margulies' single-minded focus on the one right-fit idea, coupled with passion, is the foundation of his success. Perhaps this could be you. Listen to learn about my right fit method from my guest interviews. Climbing up the career ladder. My guest today is Patty Rager, former chairman 
president and publisher of Nursing Spectrum Nurse Week, a division of Gannett Company, Inc., publishers of USA Today and 80 other newspapers. The combined circulation of Nursing Spectrum and Nurse Week is more than 1 million registered nurses, making this the largest nursing publication in the world. Patty is a memorable storyteller in my book, Win Without Competing. It is with great pleasure that she will be joining us shortly today. Patty will share her journey from high-powered executive to what she is doing right now. Patty, take us back to your childhood. When and why did you decide to become a nurse? Hello, Arlene. First of all, thank you for inviting me to speak with you and your listeners. I grew up here in the Washington, D.C. area. As a young girl, I loved everything about science. I was also that child who constantly brought home injured animals for TLC. My parents both worked in finance and government, and they're also involved in many volunteer service activities. So I tagged along with them to school and church activities and to community senior centers and did all sorts of service activities with my parents. So I really learned the importance of service from my mom and dad. When I was old enough, I was a candy striper volunteer at a military hospital and I helped organize dances with teens with developmental disabilities. My first paying job while in high school was feeding people who could not feed themselves in a nursing home, and that taught me patience and compassion. So the combination of science, my love of science, and caring, the service that I learned from my parents, made nursing a really natural choice for me. So at the age of 17, I began work on my bachelor's degree at the Medical College of Virginia in Richmond, Virginia. And I loved the pharmacology, anatomy, and my clinical work in the hospital. And I made lifelong friends and actually keep up with many of the faculty even to this day. When I graduated after four years, I landed an internship to sample clinical areas and to work with a preceptor, which gave me a solid start on my nursing career. And then I worked as a staff nurse in pediatrics, in surgery, and critical care areas for several years. And I was on a real high, Arlene. I thrived on the emotional paycheck that I got. I absolutely loved working with patients at the bedside, and I vowed I'd always stay there. Patty, let me ask you, did you see yourself as building a career on the suffering of strangers? Hmm. Well, actually, divorce attorneys and tax accountants first come to my mind on the suffering of strangers. Um, I never really thought about health care in that way, but yes, um, unfortunately, people will always get sick and get injured. And it's really a privilege to work as a nurse to help alleviate that suffering when people are at their most vulnerable. And if we're doing our job well, people don't stay strangers very long. People tend to share many personal details with nurses. In fact, the most recent Gallup poll ranked nursing as the number one most trusted profession in the U.S. So people really do talk with nurses. 
And the best nurses try to care for people as they would want their own family members treated and definitely not as strangers. I want to step back a bit. I remember we were talking prior to the show. Your parents had an interesting take on your becoming a nurse. What did they think of it? Did they think this was a suitable profession? (laughs) Well, um, it was interesting. I think they could tell that my um, interest was building as I got older and older. And my father said, as long as you go to college, um, that's great. He said, I really would love to see you be able to be a nurse, but make sure that you go to college. And he said, I'd really like you to get a business background as well. My mother, on the other hand, said, I'm worried about you because it's so sad. I'm afraid that's a very sad career for you, and you might not be happy. And uh, what I told her uh, from just my volunteer experiences and what I found to be true is that it can be a very happy profession because you're helping people and really making a difference in society. Um, They were always behind me 100% of the way, uh, all the way through my career. So I have to say that initially they had some reservations, and then they became extremely proud of me as a nurse. What did your parents do work-wise? Both of my parents worked in finance in the U.S. government here in Washington. It's actually where they met. My dad was a chief financial officer, and hence he wanted me to have a business background as well as the nursing background. And my mom was a business manager, also um, in a governmental agency, and um, she did volunteer work uh, quite a bit all along the way. Um, and actually worked in a senior center for over 30 years as a volunteer. I'm seeing the pieces coming together. (laughs) And we'll see more as the interview continues. Throughout your career, you kept moving up the ladder. At age 24, you became a nurse manager. You were hesitant to leave the bedside, Why did you accept your first management position? Well, uh, that's right. I was only 24 when I was offered the opportunity to interview for a nurse manager position on a pediatric unit. I really admired the nursing director who encouraged me, but I knew I was still very inexperienced. She saw something in me and kept encouraging me to apply. And when I told her how much I loved caring for patients directly, and felt like I was really making a difference at the bedside, she said, you're right, you are, but you can influence even more patients' care by leading staff members to care for other patients. And she was so right. I've seen it over and over in my career that happy, talented, engaged employees with a good leader makes for happy patients and customers and better business outcomes. So working as a nurse manager, um, it's like running a small or not so small business of patient care. I worked hard with a great staff to develop new programs such as parent support groups and preoperative preparation parties for children, recreation therapy. Those were innovative concepts at the time. And I really did love my work as a nurse manager. So you were appreciative of her guidance then rather yes, than I resentful. Was. Yes, I, because sometimes uh, people become resentful rather than appreciative. No, uh, she was uh, very gentle in her nudging, but she was persistent. 
And she did see something in me uh, that I guess I didn't see at the time, and I absolutely loved what I was doing and really wasn't in any hurry to leave direct patient care. Did she tell you what she saw in, in you? She said that she felt that I would be able to persuade people to give more of their best. And I don't know exactly how, why she thought that. Um, she did see me a lot with patients and with family members um, and in my interactions with the physicians and other people on the healthcare team. Um, she was a great boss, and she really bolstered my confidence and um, really encouraged me to take the risk. And she said, you know, uh, give it a year, and if you think that you don't like it, she said, I know you're going to love it, but if you think you don't like it, then you could go back to being a direct patient care nurse, which she knew I already loved. Patty, you mentioned she was a great boss. I have a feeling that you have in your head a blueprint of the right fit boss. What, could you share that with us? Um, yes, I'd be happy to. I uh, feel that I have been very fortunate and then I've chosen great bosses. Now you can't always choose your boss because of transfers and you know things that can happen in hospitals and other companies. But I do pride myself in choosing great bosses. I think uh, first of all a great boss is someone that you respect and can learn from. Um, I looked for someone to be very candid about my performance. I tried not to personalize what you might think of as negatives because I was trying to get better, and I, I knew that I was still very green. Um, I look for someone who's a good communicator and um, strategic and um, someone who can um, maybe ask me very good questions and help me think differently. Uh, she was also very kind and, and very caring herself, and I felt she would be a great role model. And I think I really decided to do this because I'd like to be like her. She had a great passion for patient care that I shared, and that really served as um, a motivator for me and, and really as career fuel for the rest of my career. I'm happy you use the term career fuel because that's exactly what I referred to passion in Win Without Competing as our career fuel. Sadly, many people have difficulty getting in touch with their passion. What could you tell them to help them get in touch with their passion? Well, um, that's a big question. Um, You're right to it, Patty. <laughs> I think that it's important to know what makes you excited about life what makes you feel good, uh, what you'd want to be a part of, um, what would make your parents and your teachers proud of. Um, and uh, I think that passion really can get you through tough days. If you don't have passion about what you're doing, then you're really missing something. Um, life is short, and uh, we spend so many hours working you know, a lot of times more than we do with our family members. And so I think it's important to find something that you care about deeply. That, to me, is um, 
how you find your passion. And it may be that you see other people in their careers and what they're doing. Um, You see other people who um, make great contributions in spite of obstacles in their way, uh, that they don't give up. And uh, I know I can think of several examples in my career where um, a group of us had a common mission and we were so passionate about it that we thought we could do anything and we did. Did you ever have a situation where you were managing somebody that you felt lacked the career passion to be successful? Yes, I have. Um, Actually, in several different positions, um, much of my responsibility was in hiring and coaching people um, throughout my career. And you can tell when someone really doesn't have their heart in something. And when you're talking about patient care, the stakes are high. And you can't afford to have people there who aren't passionate about it and who won't give their all to the patients to provide the best patient care. So, um, you know, it's no sin if you don't have passion for, um, you know, say a certain area in nursing, for example. There are many other areas uh, within nursing. There are many careers within a career in nursing. Or if you lack passion for that particular profession, there's so many others. So I have counseled people out before, obviously after working with them, and um, because you know nurses have, uh, as other professionals, have invested a lot of time and money in their careers. But if it's something they did because they didn't know uh, what they wanted to do, or someone else in their family, perhaps their parents, uh, coaxed them into getting into a career that really wasn't for them. Um, life is too short, and uh, there's so many opportunities out there that I think it's better to say, you know, this really isn't for me, um, to go out and find your passion and open up that opportunity for someone else who is passionate about that particular position. So it sounds as if you felt that you were doing the profession a service and the person a service by counseling them out. Absolutely. And oftentimes the other staff members, I felt that I was doing them a service because they were picking up where this person wasn't pulling their weight. And uh, sometimes it would get to be a drag on the rest of the team. So I think that uh, it's really best just to be straight about it. And actually the people that I spoke with about this very thing uh, the majority of them came back to me and thanked me later and found something that they were passionate about. I think that's excellent. I think that in every profession, people should assume that responsibility because I think frequently that is not done and something very important to do. Now, let's go on to something very interesting, your marriage. How old were you when you got married And how did that impact on your career? Okay. I was actually 27 when my husband Ed and I got married. I was still working as nurse manager, and Ed was young in his corporate human resources labor relations career. And I knew when we married that we would be transferred to other cities as he was promoted, so I did sign on for that. 
But what I didn't know was that those transfers would actually help my career by broadening my own skills and my resume. My marriage to Ed also gave me an additional benefit, and that was expert human resource advice at the breakfast and dinner table. He is my best confidant, sounding board, and cheerleader and has just been um, extremely important to me in my career as well as in you know, our married personal life. You have a career that is built on a series of right-fit positions. How did you know when it was the right time to pursue a master's degree? Well, actually, about the same time while I was working as a nurse manager, Arlene, I realized I needed to learn more about the science of nursing of children, again, my love of science, and to refine my management skills. I really needed theory to back up the practice. So I began a master's degree in nursing program part-time at night while I worked full-time. Ed was also in school and working full-time, and we spent many late nights studying together and writing papers after work and after school in the evenings. At the same time, I particularly enjoyed having undergraduate nursing students work on my pediatric unit where I was the nurse manager. And one day, their nursing professor approached me about a faculty position at my alma mater. And when I told her about my newfound love of nursing leadership, she reminded me of the vital role that faculty members play in shaping the skills of future nurses who care for many, many generations of patients over the course of their careers. So in the end, when I completed my master's, I was swayed by the offer to teach pediatric nursing and nursing leadership. They were really my two areas of particular interest. And the faculty took me under their wings, and I soon realized how much you learn when you teach. And I didn't know it then, but this faculty experience would serve me well when Ed was later transferred to Philadelphia, where I taught at Villanova University. Um, I might add, too, Arlene, that we were transferred to Texas, where I worked in nursing administration again for three years. And with the inevitable other duties as required, I developed monthly communications for the hospital and the community. Each time you moved, you were able to find a right-fit position. How did you go about doing that? Well, um, I'll tell you, I was fortunate, number one, and I did do a lot of homework. And probably the best example would be uh, when we were moved to Boston. Um, when my husband was transferred once again, I was fortunate to land a position at Mass General Hospital. And I was in awe of the quality of the people who worked there. Um, during my first week of orientation, the psychologist B.F. Skinner was speaking at a brown bag luncheon. And patients came there from all over the world, and the science and technology made my head spin. Um, I knew I was in the right place with the right people, but my position wasn't the right fit. Ah, so we do have a situation. Yes, we, we do. We do. Good. <laughs> Take us into your confidence, Patty, and share what happened. Okay. Well, I was in this position for a year, and my directors, my bosses changed twice in that time. At, the, at our first meeting, I told my third new boss that I needed more challenge and wanted to help in a bigger way. 
It was the very first time I met her. It was a very short meeting. And I said that I really just needed more challenge and, and needed to do more. And I think she could tell the conviction that I had in my voice and probably you know, the way I looked at her. I was very serious about it. And evidently that was music to her ears because I soon found myself immersed in developing system-wide projects and programs that she wanted to initiate. And she was brand new. She had come from a Midwest hospital. And um, I did leadership development, public relations programs, and I launched the Caring Magazine with a nurse exec colleague and uh, our creative team there. And uh, we really got along well. Um, and I was promoted to a director role in which I directed a merger of our hospital business units and nursing units throughout all of the Mass General Hospitals. And this created a new division that interfaced with all the departments in the hospitals. And I loved this job because we became the hub of communication and change. And I believe that um, I realized when I met her that she was the right fit boss. She was just what I needed. She uh, was so strategic, still is, uh, knew politics, which I knew very little about. Um, she helped me validate my judgments, gave me great opportunities, and uh, she also encouraged me to go back to get an MBA because my leadership group um, in my last uh, role there, uh, all of the people reporting into me had MBAs, and none of them were nurses. I was the only nurse. And I realized that I needed more finance, accounting, you know, business strategy. And uh, you guessed it, in the meantime, my husband was transferred again to New York City, and I uh, was sponsored by my boss at Mass General for a fellowship to get my MBA in New York. And uh, I got there, started my program, and three months later, you guessed it, my husband was transferred to Washington, D.C. They moved to the corporate headquarters of his company. So I stayed there, of course, in New York and completed my MBA. Tell us. What happened when you arrived in Washington, D.C., and you needed to continue your search this time for, we will find out shortly, into a new arena? Well, um, I was so spoiled with my last boss that I decided that I had to have the right fit. Um, chances are your boss isn't going to change you know, attitudes or behavior, um, that as the employee you need to adjust yours, right? Right. And um, uh, if I were to get into a negative situation, I would try to, uh, you know, have positive energy and do a good job and um, to do some high-visibility projects so that I could hopefully get promoted and maybe get a new boss. But I uh, was thinking about my role. Um, I wanted to be a nurse executive in the Washington, D.C. area. And I just began my job search. I actually had sent off only one resume. We went on a Hawaii trip to celebrate my MBA, came back, and I received a call from a publishing entrepreneur to interview for a position as executive director for Nursing Spectrum. 
they were launching a new magazine for nurses, and they needed someone to uh, set up the region and to manage it. And um, this was something totally out of the blue for me. Um, He was very persuasive, um, this entrepreneur. And um, I thought, well, I've just completed my MBA, and the whole time I sat through my finance and accounting classes, I pictured myself in hospital budget meetings pleading my case for what we needed for patients and staff. And my heart and soul has been in nursing, clinical, education, administration. And it just seemed very, it just seemed too different. Um, But something inside me said, don't say no, I have to find out about this. And and I really had enjoyed my um, public relations and writing aspects in my other positions. So I decided to take the plunge to interview. And before I knew it, I was on a plane to Chicago to interview, and the Chicago staff was producing the Chicago magazine of Nursing Spectrum. It was production day. All of the nurse editors, the salespeople, the production directors were there racing on deadline. What year was this, Patty? This was in 1990. 1990, okay. As an aside, I must say that I was delighted to hear that you sent in one resume, that you didn't feel the need to basically send your resume from Burbank to Bombay, that you carefully selected an opportunity that you thought could be the right fit. I did do that. Of course, I had no idea it wasn't a nurse executive position by the way it was written. Ah, that leads us to something else, (laughs) which is that frequently employers do not articulate the details of the opportunity. And yet, you found enough in there to pursue it. Yes, it was very intriguing. This was a blind box ad in the newspaper. And I uh, looked at it, and I thought that I knew that it was a nurse executive position. It sounded very exciting. And I uh, thought, well, I will see how this turns out. After all, I was going on vacation. We had just moved into a home. I needed some time, actually, to get organized and really to plan my job search. But it was very intriguing. And I found out later, because of the competitive nature of the startups and launches of magazines, that um, the exact nature of the position could not be in that ad until actually he had spoken with the candidates and got a good idea that they were potentially interested. Um, I must say that I was interested when I I saw everyone working together. This was a magazine all about nurses and their careers. And uh, although I knew hospital and medical center nursing, I was very interested in learning more because nurses are really everywhere and the need is great. And there is a lot more to nursing, even beyond the hospital. So um, he was very interesting, very persuasive, as most entrepreneurs are. He asked me some quite pointed questions, I thought very good questions. And then he Do you remember any of those questions, Patty? 
I think our uh, listeners might like to hear them if you can remember them. Yes. Um, one of the um, one of the questions that he asked me was, "What in the world do you know about publishing?" And um, I have a cousin who's a journalist, and interestingly enough, she became a nurse after she was a journalist. Well, that is interesting. Um, so I knew some stories, um, you know, from her background. And I was able to talk with him about uh, what I had learned in my prior positions when we published newsletters and communications that weren't um, as uh, frequent as what he was looking for because this magazine was to produce every two weeks. Most of the communications that I did were published every month or every quarter. But I at least had an idea... um, of what it took to put publications together. And I had learned from some very good, talented, creative people. And um, I also said that I would hire people who knew about the publishing world, that my role would be to be the cheerleader and to head the mission and uh, to lead the charge. So um, I think that was what he was looking for, Um he uh, asked me to, you know, go out and see what the staff were doing. I think he knew that I'd be bitten by the publishing bug when I saw it. It was like the Mary Tyler Moore show um, and uh, very, very quick. And then I went back and spoke with him again, and he said he would call me the next day. Um, I love the people that I met there, too, and that was a big part of it. Did you get the feeling that when he called you that when he would call you the next day, that he would present an offer? Yes, I did. I did. His background was sales, so he was also selling me on the roll. And I think, frankly, he was up against a time deadline, (laughs) uh, that he wanted to do this launch very quickly. And um, so I uh, was there, you know, just for the day, and I got back on the airplane to fly back to Washington from Chicago, I must have been fidgeting because there was a young man sitting next to me, and he said, are you okay? And I said, of course, why? And he said, well, you look so deep in thought. And I said, well, I just met a man who's turned my life around 180 degrees. And he looked at me in earnest and said, isn't love grand? (laughs) And I assured him that wasn't what it was. um, But I was happily married, but it was about a job. Right, but in a sense it is love because you have passion. You have that type of career passion, which really is almost a type of love, don't you think? Yes, Yes. and you know, it developed even stronger because um, he did call me and make the offer the next day. And um, I had, you know, gone home after this plane ride And I was thinking about this, and I thought, well, you know, I could communicate with, at the time, tens of thousands of registered nurses. I could combine my nursing and business skills on behalf of nurses, highlight their stories, put my MBA to use, hire nurses as editors. And uh, when it got right down to it, when Ed and I discussed this, I came to the conclusion that this was an opportunity to start a business with someone else's money, I could choose my own staff, it was all about nursing, and my boss would be halfway across the country. 
So I said yes. It was the flawless fit, not just the right fit. <laughs> it really was the right fit for me at the time, even though I never would have thought that I would be doing something like this, um, particularly with my past experiences and my uh, MBA. But um, it was very interesting because um, I did commit to two years. It was the longest two-year commitment I ever made. It lasted 16 years, and they were wonderful years. Um, But it was funny because he said, when do you think you could start? And I was naive in this, even though I had talked to him. And I said, well, I believe I could be ready in four to six weeks. And he, I think, almost choked, and he said, I need a magazine in six weeks. I need you to start tomorrow. Here I was with boxes all over the house. I had ideas of planting flowers in our new yard. To make a very long story short, I started the next day in our kitchen. I cleared off the boxes and got to work. Patty, I have to say, your flexibility (laughs) is astounding. Absolutely astounding. I didn't exactly know what I was getting into, um, we did start in the kitchen. Um, I found an office. We set it up. And uh, I like starting new things. And uh, basically, I was looking for people who would join me, people who are risk takers. They're creative, hardworking, energetic. Uh, I needed people with sales skills, journalism background, uh, design and layout. But I was really looking for people who could get the big picture but also details and people who had snap and drive. And I found that. Um, And we worked feverishly in this little office. We immersed ourselves in editing and cover photos, layout, design, selling. I took night classes on publishing at Georgetown University we networked, and we produced a beautiful magazine in six weeks. And when we saw it come off the printing press, we were so elated. It was like seeing a baby born. We had worked so hard. And we celebrated for about 15 minutes and then raced back to get ready for our next deadline because from then on out, every magazine needed to be produced and out to nurses every two weeks. What did your boss say? I know he was across the country, but what was his response to your initial launch? (laughs) Um, His response was he was very and is very hard-charging, and I was so proud of what I thought was all the advertising we sold. You know, I called uh, friends of friends. I called uh, my old bosses who knew people in the area, and... um, We had um, some large display ads. People had taken a chance on us because they really didn't know us, Um, and some classified ads. And I was so proud. And then he must have been weeping in Chicago when he saw it because it was far from being able to cover the costs initially. But um, he was uh, happy with the product, uh, the uh, editorial content, the uh, cover photos that we did, the news of the nurses. It was really quite beautiful. And um, my reward was that I was to launch another magazine in Philadelphia and then another. 
until uh, we replicated this uh, eventually throughout the country. Um, but uh, he was not the type and is not the type of person to, you know, pat you on the back and give you a lot of accolades. But he was pleased and pushed me to do more. And um, that was very, very important for me. And I think most importantly, you know, he had chosen me, so he pretty much had to believe in me and that we could do this. And um, he was uh, really in our corner because, of course, our success was his success. And um, he uh, was very, very supportive as we grew and then later as we launched other magazines. Share with us how you manage the process to continue moving up at Nursing Spectrum. Well, um, I guess I should say, first of all, that in 1994, and that was four years after I joined Nursing Spectrum, the company was purchased by Gannett Company, Inc., And when the announcement was made to our executive team, uh, we were together. There were six of us in the room, and uh, my boss, the founder and publisher, was there along with executives from the Gannett Company. I was the first to blurt out, what does this mean? (laughs) And, of course, behind that, there's always the me question, you know, for all of us. And um, they smiled. It kind of broke the ice. And I soon found out what it really meant was that Nursing Spectrum would come under Gannett's corporate umbrella and that my boss, the publisher, would be transitioning out. Now, what I later realized is that our employees would receive better benefits and then with corporate backing, our company would have more resources to invest in technology and acquisitions and to support nursing causes through philanthropy. Now, the day after the announcement, of course, the company was buzzing, not knowing exactly what this meant, because we were, after all, kind of a a family, smaller company, homegrown. Um, I was told the day after the announcement that an executive from the Gannett Company would be visiting my office, and I was asked to spend time with him and teach him about our business. And I didn't know at the time that this was an informal interview, I should have. But well, let I me ask. Let me ask you this: How did you feel that you were going to have a visit so quickly <laughs> from the new acquirer? Well, um, to be honest, I know some people in the office were quaking; they were worried. I was very relaxed. I think, in part, because I wasn't sure if I'd even be staying. Well, that's why I'm asking, because to get a visit so quickly, it could have been to personally say, you've done a wonderful job, goodbye, it's been lovely. That's right, exactly. Yeah, that's why I'm asking you Um, that. But, you know, when you start um, a business and when we launched the magazine, you know it inside out. Um, You've worked so many hours on it and you've had so many deadlines, and by that time I had four years under my belt. And um, so I really, I probably should have been a bit anxious, but it was very odd that I wasn't. I was quite relaxed, and I also uh, felt a real obligation to let him know exactly what the company was about, how nursing is the heart and soul of the business. And I knew some of the fears that my staff had um, about the purchase, and um, and I knew some of the things that we wanted to work on, 
um, in the future. So I felt an obligation. I wasn't sure whether I'd be asked to stay or to leave, whether I'd want to stay or leave. I decided just to let it play out. So in a sense, that gave me a feeling of freedom. Um, and also, he was very easy. I'm sure he knew that uh, you know people were nervous in the office, uh, as, as always the case. And uh, so it was a very good give and take. And um, he was a very good listener. He eventually became my boss. I'm getting to that part. Um, but um, it was very easy, and I felt that he was genuinely interested that, you know, they had purchased a company, and they really didn't know about the nursing magazine business. They know an awful lot about newspapers and broadcast stations and, you know, all sorts of things, but not really about the nursing business. So I did become the internal candidate for the publisher's position, and there were Gannett publishers from other newspapers also who interviewed for the position with the president of the newspaper division. And um, I decided to go for the position not only out of loyalty to the staff and the executive team who wondered how our company would change, but also because we had lots of ideas for new products and launches and services. So I think I jokingly told myself that critical care nursing had prepared me for anything, you know, for the controlled chaos and heart-pounding moments of meeting numerous deadlines and new product launches and even corporate budget meetings. Um, so I still hoped that I could um, have this hybrid career with one foot in nursing and one in publishing. And um, once uh, I was made the offer and I assumed the president and publisher position, which I held for 10 years, we really threw ourselves into updating our production and circulation technology, our customer service training, uh, our RN community outreach. Um, we developed websites and career events across the country. And um, it was just um, really a very exciting time for me. Um, and uh, I was very happy in the end that I was able to um, – get that position at Gannett, because it could have been different. I might not have. What do you think was the tipping point that enabled you to get that position? Well, um, I leveraged my position as a nurse, first of all, the other applicants for the publisher's role had already proven themselves to the Gannett executives, and they didn't know me. And I am a nurse first, and I always will be. And I didn't fit their prior profile of the right fit, I'm sure. So I spoke with them about my experience at Nursing Spectrum and in hospital administration, and I told them that I believed that being a nurse was a big advantage. Um, I know the nursing community, our nurse readers, um, the nurse recruiter customers, and uh, and I knew the fabulous staff of Nursing Spectrum. Um, I told them that I had business skills and an MBA that would transfer, that I believed in education for myself and others, and we had um, plans to expand our continuing education division for the company, and I shared my vision for the company and a passion for nurses and nursing spectrum. And uh, fortunately for me, 
they thought I was the right fit. But I really did need to sell myself because I was quite a different candidate than anyone they'd ever come across. But let's face it, you did a stellar job of selling yourself. That's the whole point. Yes, you did because you broadcasted your right fit step by step. You packaged yourself to pitch in the language of my right fit method. That's right, and you hadn't even written your book yet. So I Absolutely. was very fortunate. <laughs> Absolutely. Tell me um, about the acquisition of Nurse Week and that, how that impacted on your position. Well, um, that's very interesting. Um, the Nurse Week company uh, was based in California, and they were very similar to the Nursing Spectrum company. And um, it was obvious that we needed to grow and uh, we could continue to launch a magazine every year or two, but that would take a long time for us to get critical mass to become a national company. And that was really our goal, to become the national company for nurses and nursing. So when the acquisition uh, came up, we, of course, had the opportunity with corporate backing um, to make the acquisition, and um, it was a terrific, terrific opportunity for us to bring together the skills of two companies and to bring people together, and I did really lean on my experience of the merger at Mass General. I didn't realize when I was at Mass General that I was really practicing for what was to come, and uh, So we then became a much larger company. We expanded our career events. They're uh, similar to job fairs for nurses uh, with continuing education. We expanded our education department and our offerings. We um, also developed specialty publications for different uh, groups of nurses like critical care nurses and operating room nurses and uh, We launched websites and did many, many things like that. And it was uh, a very exciting time for us. Uh, We really tried to take the best practices from each of the companies and and bring people together. It was also my opportunity to hire more nurses so that there would be a nurse manager in every office and that there would be a nurse editor who was responsible for the editorial content. And uh, so that was, uh, you know, very, very important um, to the company's success. And um, then we were able to do many more things as a national company than we could have done as two smaller companies. So that was a great fit. That was really the right fit of two companies coming together. Um, And, uh, of course, there were things we needed to do to merge the cultures and the technology and all of that that goes along with it. Um, But it was a a very important juncture in the history of the company that's now called Gannett Healthcare Group, um, by the way. Um, That's Nursing Spectrum and Nurse Week are the names of the magazines, and the company's Gannett Healthcare Group. And uh, what happened as we went along is that I was traveling more and more because we had readers and staff and events all over the country. And I was traveling about 50% of the time, uh, particularly in the last um, six years. 
as publisher. And uh, then uh, because of that, I decided to go on to the next chapter. Good. Well, let's hear about the next chapter then. Okay. Well, first of all, I loved my role as publisher and president. And uh, we really were growing by leaps and bounds. And with the travel, of course, I was away from home a lot. In the meantime, as we're uh, really gaining uh, speed and doing more and more things nationally and actually even internationally, my husband required open-heart surgery. And at the same time that I was traveling, and, of course, I needed time off to be with him for that, we were also caring for Ed's mother. I call her my mother-in-love, my mother-in-law, in in our home, and we had around-the-clock caregivers. So life was getting out of balance. I was at a crossroads. I knew the company was in great shape, and we had integrated the two companies together, and my family needed me. So I made the difficult decision to leave Nursing Spectrum, and I loved the business that I'd helped to grow and loved the people even more, but my family obviously came first. So it was the right decision, and I transitioned out and um, was reading a newspaper and glanced at an article about something that got me into my next phase of my career. Patty, yes. when you left Nurse Week, I should say Nursing Spectrum mm-hmm. Nurse Week, okay, mm-hmm. at that point you were chairman. Yes, I was. As I transitioned out, I um, had the title of chairman, so I was uh, trying to make sure that there would be a smooth transition, especially because we were so very busy. We didn't really double our busyness. I think we quadrupled it when the two companies came together. There were just so many synergies and so many new opportunities. Was it difficult? I mean, recognizing that your personal life, in terms of balancing your personal and professional, was it difficult for you personally to step down as chairman? Oh, yes. It was one of the most difficult things I've ever done, Arlene. I really uh, loved what I was doing. I um, didn't want to feel like I was letting people down. Um, Because I had worked in the company so long and was involved in hiring uh, most of the people, I knew everyone and their families. I knew them from their first day at work. I knew... um, Uh, I had seen them grow and get promoted. Um, I've seen them graduate, get married, and have babies. And it really was like another family. So it was very difficult to leave. Um, And that's why I think that um, the transition time helped. And uh, also what helps is that you're able to keep in touch with people um, that you care about very much. And I, of course, still receive the magazines and still can get on the website. So um, I, it was difficult to leave uh, because I loved it. I had passion for it and for the people, but I loved my family even more. And that was really you know, the decision I had to make. But yes, it was personally and professionally very difficult. Um, people have asked me, you know, how 
is it? Because your identity can be tied so much into your work and, and all of that. And when you leave a position after that long, how is it? And I have to say, as much as I've missed the people and uh, the publishing work, um, I haven't had any regrets. And I think it's because, you know, there's a time for everything. And, um, you know, it also gives opportunities for other people to move up in the organization so that I'm not, you know, blocking career paths. (laughs) And uh, that's what I told myself. And I also felt very good to be leaving at a time when the company was in very good shape. Tell us now about what you started to explain a few moments ago about the article that you were reading that enticed you into a new calling. Well, I was very casually reading uh, a small um, town newspaper called the Falls Church News Press, and I glanced at an article about court-appointed special advocates. And uh, there was just a, it was a very small article, and it said there would be an information session coming up in a couple of weeks. So I mentioned it to my husband, and he said, that sounds interesting. Why don't we both go? And court-appointed special advocates are advocates for children who are involved in the domestic court system through no fault of their own. They're victims of abuse or neglect, and many are in foster care. So uh, my husband and I went to this uh, information session, and there were people from all walks of life there who were also listening. And the staff members of CASA, the Court-Appointed Special Advocate staff, were speaking about how you can become the eyes and ears of the court and the voice of a child, and how CASAs are safe people who work with children and um, monitor court orders and uh, work with attorneys and social workers, who I'd worked with many in my day, and teachers. And uh, we decided that we would go through the screening process. So there's a strict uh, interview process, uh, background checks, uh, fingerprinting, that type of thing. And then you're admitted to a training course. And we attended the training course, and it was just what we were looking for. Um, We took the training course and got sworn in. And... um, my husband and I, you know, both now work as CASA volunteers. We actually even share one case of a large sibling group in several different foster homes. And it's really our opportunity to give back. It makes us happy. And it's something that we do from the heart. And your listeners may have heard about CASAs uh, through Dr. Phil McGraw and his wife, Robin. They're actually spokesperson for CASAs Forgotten Children campaign. So I feel with this that... Um, I've come full circle, and although it's not the same uh, by any stretch of the imagination, I feel that I've come back to my pediatric nursing roots. It's really amazing how everything you do fits together like a puzzle. Yes, and I never could have uh, created that puzzle in my imagination at the beginning of my career to think how many places um, my career would take me. You selected the right fit profession, the right fit positions, and even the right fit husband 
<laughs> as well as the mother in love. <laughs> Valentine's Day is fast approaching. How did you select the right fit husband? Oh, that's really a good one. Um, I love telling this story. It was a chance meeting, although I really don't believe in coincidences. I actually met Ed shopping, of all places. Now, we dated for three years, so I got to know him in many different situations. And uh, when I think back to uh, the very beginning and, and all the way through our years together and now, I think what attracted me was his great sense of humor that really drew me to him. He's very smart and adventurous. And uh, we share similar values, um, career orientation, hard work. And um, I, I, as I got to know him better, I found that he was extremely responsible and fair, just like my dad was. Now, as a little girl, my mother told me that you can tell a lot about a boy by the way he treats his mother. So over the three years we were dating, when I witnessed how caring he was to his mom, I melted and knew he was the right fit. And his blue eyes didn't hurt anything either, I have to admit. <laughs> what advice do you have for those who are unhappy at work and for those who are unemployed? Oh, there are a lot of people out there in both boats, I'm afraid. Um, for people who are unhappy in their work, my advice, just from my perspective, is that it's a big world out there and life is short. So don't settle with your unhappiness. Talk to others about their careers, volunteer, go back to school, and find that passion. Find something to do that will fuel your career, something that you really feel strongly about. And then work is more like play. You know, The hours go so quickly, and it really is more like play. Now, a lot of people are unemployed today, you know, through no fault of their own. And um, I guess my best advice is don't lose heart and keep your confidence. Um, I think sometimes considering another field where your skills can be used, for instance, uh, financial jobs have been very hard hit in New York and really all over the country. And there are big opportunities for people who have a financial background in growth areas like healthcare and technology and and uh, definitely the government now, right? The government needs right. strong finance minds. Um, and I would say, too, uh, to the unemployed, if housing isn't an issue, don't be limited by the area where you live. Consider relocating to another city because um, although my situation was different uh, when we were transferred, I was basically unemployed each time we moved. And... Um, that moving from one area to the other, I think you can have even a, a greater scope of opportunities. I'd like to step back to those that are unhappy at work in terms of fixing the fit. I do a workshop entitled The Wrong Fit, Fix It or Flee. And when I do that workshop, frequently people are very ill. And it would be helpful if you could make some suggestions as to when you think 
they've identified a problem early on that they do something about it so they don't become physically ill and then need to come to me for the workshop. (laughs) Well, um, as a nurse, of course, we always promote health, and your mind and body are so connected. Um, I don't think any job is worth losing your health over. Um, and believe me, I've I've had a lot of stress, you know, in my work and you know in my profession too. Um, but I think it's important to get a handle on stress and to um, think of yourself as um, someone who um, can be uh, successful in other roles and maybe in other careers. I know that it, it takes a risk sometime, but um, trying to get noticed and, and doing high visibility projects so that you can get promoted and perhaps be out of that uh, particular situation. Um, sometimes people get physically sick because um, they're just, um, you know, their boss uh, isn't the right fit for them. Maybe it's not the role itself, but they don't click with their boss. And uh, in today's uh, turbulent times, you know, the boss might be leaving. You know, you you might leave and two days later the boss would be gone. So I think it's important to try to hang in there and be positive. After all, you are still being paid um, to do a job, but not to let yourself be sick. Um, to talk with your family, your support, uh, to have a coach, to have someone help you figure out how you can cope with the situation without making yourself sick. And it actually may be that you have to leave the situation you're in. But um, I think there's a lot that you can do before that so that you really um, don't get sick. I also think, too, that it's important to try to fix the situation um, and only flee when you already have secured another opportunity, especially in these troubled times, this would not be a good time just to leave. Absolutely. And I think, too, in terms of fixing it, it might be that there's a communication problem. Um, You know, it might be that um, there's something else that's going on in the environment. Uh, I think oftentimes people sense an uneasiness in the environment, and maybe it's you know, for instance, that a company is about to be bought. They can tell that something is going on, and they think it must be me. And I think then that people make the mistake of keeping their head down and just trying to stay, you know, out of the fray when actually that's the time for you to shine and to do your very best job and to, you know, be noticed for what you're contributing but I agree with you totally. You don't want to leave until you have another position secured, particularly in today's time. And uh, there are a lot of things you can do before you have to leave. Absolutely. Patty, I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today. I know that your passion, coupled with your ability to take charge and continue to travel on the right fit road, will inspire our listeners. I look forward to another on-air conversation soon. Thank you, Arlene. I just wanted to add that if any of the listeners are interested in nursing as a profession, they could log on to 
www.nurse.com or discovernursing.com. And if anyone there is considering taking my advice about being a volunteer, and if you're interested in the CASA program, that website is www.nationalcasa.org. Arlene, I'd be delighted to join you again. This has really been my pleasure. It's been so much fun. Thank you. Thank you. If you would like to learn more about Patty's career and her life, you can read her story in Win Without Competing. Please join me again next Wednesday, February 18th at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. The Beauty Queen Talks. My guest will be Kelly Fuller, who propelled herself from beauty queen to vocalist to talk show host of Kelly in the Morning, which replaced the Imus show when he was fired. I look forward to hearing from you. Please email me at drbarrow at winwithoutcompeting.com or call me directly, 310-441-5305. Perhaps you would like to be a storyteller in my next book. Until next time, remember this trigger tip. It's all up to you. Goodbye for now. This is Dr. Arlene, author, Win Without Competing, and Career Coach One.